installment in the SUAS News podcast series. Um, looks like we're going to discuss some more issues relevant to the unmanned technologies community, which we do every week and people seem to enjoy. Uh, the, the SUS News podcast series, we, we try to interview the newsmakers and the people who are uh, relevant to the uh, this technology globally, and we're going to keep doing that. I am your program host, Patrick Egan, and let's say a big hello to our co-host, Gene Robinson. Gene. Hello out there, Patrick, from the uh, the lovely Sierra Nevada mountains. We're, uh, we're out enjoying the fresh, clean air, and uh, made the podcast, you know, made it to the internet in time to make the podcast this morning, and we're happy to be here. Well, I know we were both in the Sierra. I was in Northern California, and you were in Southern California, and uh, I was really enjoying it. I like I, I like to go up to the mountains and hang out, drink a little beer, and work on a podcast, um, show prep, and checklists and whatnot. It's a lot of fun. I hope you and the, uh, the 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 misses are having a good time here in California. Well, indeed, and it's kind of funny because uh, my wife made mention that I hardly ever get away from unmanned aircraft, and of course we're right here by China Lake where there's so much going on with the unmanned aircraft industry, and we've been keeping our eyes peeled to to find one of the little beggars flying around, and they're pretty tough to spot. But every once in a while, you can see and hear something that you know is up there. But uh, it's very difficult to find in this clear mountain air sometimes. Yeah, um, it, it, it is. They're hard to spot sometimes. But you know, that, that's kind of uh, that's kind of uh, I think part of the charm. Sometimes, hey, there goes an email. Uh, anyway, okay. Well, this week's episode is an uh, in-depth and informative look into AEVSI's website, knowledge offerings, and our guest is going to be Chris Malley, Vice President of Knowledge Resources for AEVSI. And we got him on; he's on hold. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the last. Well, you weren't on the last one. We we had uh, Ted Wersbanowski on. Um, he's the chairman for ASTM F38, and that was a good conversation. We also got some background into the uh, X-29 program, which I thought was a uh, pretty interesting conversation. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that, Gene. Did you get a chance? Or... I did. I did. I did, and it, and it was. It was extremely interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't – but that's the kind of stuff that we bring here to the table. I mean, you don't – you know, where else are you going to go here about that? I remember, you know, when, uh, when I was on the ARC, Ted was talking about the program and that uh, – they were trying to use the composites, and that was kind of some of the first times they were really using composites and that forward swept wing and, you know, all the issues with uh, flexing and whatnot and everything they overcame. I was listening, you know, I was glued to that story. So to hear some more about that was pretty good. Uh, I did get a little feedback that I didn't beat him up enough about uh, perceived conflicts of interest and whatnot. Um you know, I, I, I got to tell people, I can't, you know, bring people on this show. I, I like to think of this show as something where we have a nice conversation. Uh, would you agree with that uh, that format, Gene? Oh, yeah. Well, we, you know, we certainly have had the opportunity to uh, kind of beat people up if we wanted to, but we really need to let them give their side of the story and, and let them tell us what's going on in their world before we, you know, bore right in there and, and uh, start beating them up. It's not, it's, this is not the, the venue, I think, to do that. 
on. I think it's rude to beat them up, you know. I mean, I, you know, I want them to get on and tell their side of the story. They can get out here and say, hey, this is what's going on, which is the same thing with the ASTM thing. Part, part of getting that on there, I mean, you know, people probably read some of my articles, and I'm a little harsh, but, you know, I'm harsh for a reason, and and the reason is is I think that small business is getting the dirty end of the stick. Okay, so I have to kind of say, okay, well, I'm doing this in the let's say, you know, as the champion of small business, and some people say, well, we don't need that, and yada yada. I, I don't agree with that, but you know, changes have been made because of the actions that I've made, and I think they're all changes in in the positive. Um, you know, if, if more daylight's on the process or the citizens of the United States can read the, the, the proposed legislation or the laws before they come out, okay, call me whatever you want. All I know is uh, mission accomplished. But uh, the ASTM thing, I wanted to get Ted on here. I wanted to talk about it. And I think that, Gene, you brought up a good point. Let people get involved and see for themselves. Then they can hear their own horse's mouth right there, right? Yeah, that and that's the main thing. You know, everybody talks about an informed voter is a smart voter, and that's really what we want to encourage people to do is to go out and, and to contact their representatives and to contact the people who actually hold or can steer the things that affect this industry the most and get it from those guys. They're the ones that will tell you, and we'll get enough opinion together that we will get a complete picture of where we're headed, and that's that's so important. Yeah, get involved, man. See for yourself. Don't you know? I. It's kind of funny, you know. I go through the numbers of the the the, the podcast, and they swing wildly, you know. And I, I, again, it's like, you know, oh, I think this is going to be a great podcast, and we got this guest on, and. And it kind of kind of fizzles. But it seems like the podcast that we do, we get on here and we rant and rave and uh, you know talk about the problems and the things that we need to do. Those are the ones that are people are listening to. You know, who to thunk it? Uh, you know, we got we got to give the public what they want. And that's going to segue right into the next part. Okay, we did the the two weeks ago. We did the podcast on the road, and we were talking about what we were going to go do. And I know, Gene, I saw the picture. Uh, you were out there at the the Rayburn House office building for the UAV or UA caucus, and I want you to give us a rundown, buddy. What was what was going on? What happened? What'd you do? Who'd you see? And um, did you get one of those fat federal business opportunity hundred million dollar contracts? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I didn't get one of those, Patrick. But oh, uh, who? To, to say that we didn't get to talk to the people who who could make a difference is, is an understatement. We met with several Congress people. Of course, we met with uh, Buck McKeon, whose district I'm in right now, and uh, with Henry Cuellar. And both of those guys are uh, the co-chairs of the Unmanned Aircraft Integration Committee for Congress. And uh, they were very interested in what we had to say. We were, uh, there, and it's a very closed venue. There were only 15 people who were there in the foyer, 15 representatives. And uh, of the 15, 14 of them were DOD contractors, and we were a civilian provider of aircraft and services. And uh, we really kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, but, you know, I kind of relished that 
and uh, it was very interesting to get uh, get comments from those guys as to how we were approaching business and what the obstacles were, and they were very attentive. I, I thought that perhaps we might get, you know, just kind of a uh, an obligatory nod and, and move on, but uh, these guys were very interested. I met with uh, McKeon's liaison, Major Joe DePorter, and uh, he, he was very direct and to the point and said, what do you want me to convey to the congressman? Tell me you know, give me the management summary, let's move ahead and get this into him. And I did make those points about small business. You know, I did make those points uh, about, you know, the small UAs and, and commercial possibilities. And he took it and was very open with me. And he met with me privately, so it's not like we were all jockeying for position. So uh, in, in that case, I was very impressed with the fact that they were as attentive as they were. Now, I've, I've already been notified that uh, Congressman Cuellar from uh, the district in South Texas wants to meet with me again about some of the things that we're doing. We're very encouraged by that. Uh, he is very interested in continuing the war on drugs in his district with Mexico. Uh, he related a story about how he was visiting Mexico City with one of his uh, uh, counterparts there, and they had an Elvet model. Uh, one of the Israeli UAs sitting on the desk, and, mm-hmm. and Congressman Cuellar asked him, he said, you know, we give you $12.5 billion a year and you're using Israeli UAs. What's up with that? Yeah. So uh, I thought that was kind of a uh, an interesting little anecdote from the congressman there. Well, you know, uh, and that, and, well that, that kind of plays into also the Colombians who bought $50 million worth of Israeli UAs. And how many, how many billions do you think we've given the Colombians? A couple yeah. of bucks. And, and this is not to denigrate the, the Israelis because the no. Israelis have been doing this for a long time, and they do have good systems. There is no doubt about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, if if we're given aid, we should be given the same opportunity to be able to provide the, the technology that we have, which uh, is comparable in, in many ways, and it, we're a heck of a lot closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, no slight on the Israelis. I mean, anytime I bring that up on the show, it's like, you know, good on you. You're making some money in the field, and we need more income streams to support the whole uh, infrastructure and whatever else. I I just think, like you were saying with the Mexican uh, government, how much money we've given them in aid. Same with the Colombians. Uh, But this is, this is, this is symptomatic of the problem that we have here with integration and all the rest of that, you know? So I, you know, whatever, uh, there, there's a long list of problems with that, but that sounds like that was good. I also was in Texas while you were in DC and I went down there to Lubbock and we went and I went to the, uh, economic development committee forum. Uh, I got a real, uh, good look at what's going on and, um, you know, I'm pretty impressed. People are gung-ho. They want to get this technology there. I think everyone was looking for me to give them a silver bullet, like, you know, here, here's the answer. This is how you get this technology and these people to come to your district and set up shop. They did not get that from me. I did tell them that, you know, you're going to need to entice these people. You're going to need to bring it in. I tried to impart some knowledge on them uh, that we gleaned, say, from uh, from uh, Steve from MLB and say, hey, you know, you got to make something here where people want to come here and they'd be foolish not to come here 
Um, you know, and they said, well, we don't do venture capital. But you know what? That's not really true. I think that they need to look at other ways of doing things and bringing people in and the technology and the infrastructure and maybe, you know, give people a break on uh, rent and some other things. I told them the tax credits, you know, tax credits work real good if I'm Occidental Petroleum. Not so much for mom and pop, you know. Uh, I have a corporation myself. I don't have a corporation to pay taxes. Anybody that thinks corporations pay taxes, uh, that's not why you set up a corporation. Set up a corporation not to pay taxes. Instead of paying taxes, you buy equipment or hire people or invest in technology or you know do some um, R and D or whatever. So I tried to put that on them, and instead of giving, you know, uh, there was a blimp company there from Canada was looking for money, and I said, well, instead of you know giving one guy ten million dollars or eight million dollars or whatever, maybe you should spread that out. And that's some sort of park where these people can kind of lean on each other, uh, engineers, um, you know, business people, artists. It goes right back to that whole steam thing I was talking about. We're going to have to work on them some more. I don't think people really understand it, but that's that's kind of the premise for today's show. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Chris Malley here, and we're going to bring him on here in just a sec. And we're going to talk about some of the um, – opportunities here with robotics and unmanned technologies and uh so i guess we might as well bring him on let's see if he's here chris are you there hey, everybody hey. i'm here all right he's on uh we were just talking me and gene you're probably listening to what we were talking about and that kind of segues into today's show um you know, I gave a, a brief introduction of who you are, and you're the Vice President of Knowledge Resources for ADVSI. But possibly uh, you could give us a little bio about who you are and uh, how you got to be in this position uh, for the audience. you think you could do that for me, sir? Sure. Uh, real quick, uh, I started robotics well, really in high school, um, but in college I was part of the Duke team and we did the AUVSI underwater robotics competition. So I owe a lot to AUVSI. And the competition was held out in San Diego on the naval base there, and they hired me straight out of uh, the competition. Uh, in true military fashion or government fashion, the paperwork took nine months. Uh, but so I, so I worked there until uh, about a, just over a year ago, um, so mainly underwater robotics. I do have a... Uh, so mainly underwater, I'm not an air guy, uh, first off. Uh, I do have a patent on launching an air vehicle, but it was from underwater, so it's still an underwater project for me. I uh, did some time in the Pentagon. Uh, I don't. Uh, Pentagon is a very interesting place, we'll just say that, uh, and I can only take so much of it. So I left to uh, really do my own consumer robotic, uh, consumer robot. Uh, it's working in my basement. Well, it's still in my basement, but I'm working on it. And then uh, Mike Descano said I uh, wanted to bring me on to uh, really help out the entire community and really open up the uh, commercial market for robotics. So you know Mike Descano. He's he's a good talker. Uh, so here I am. Yeah, he is a good talker, and he's a pretty good Elvis impersonator. <laughs> you know, he was standing next to people talking about Elvis, and they didn't realize that was him. Uh, they, they're like, why are you standing there? I just want a picture of Elvis. And then, uh, you know, so what are you going to do? I know I thought when I saw that first uh, sign, I was like, God, that guy looks real familiar. And I know it's not Elvis, but it's <laughs> – so, yeah, it took me a little while to put it together. That was pretty funny. All right, well, for the audience, you know, I first met you. came out to one of our Silicon Valley uh, chapter meetings, and you were there for the Silicon Valley Robotics Block Party. 
Um, and then also, I, I saw you the last time I saw you, you were putting your engineering degree to work at the VIP booth at Unmanned Systems North America. Um, <laughs> I remember you were helping me out there, but uh, any reflections on the robotics block party before we proceed? Uh, yeah, well, it's always fun to mix uh, nerds and alcohol, uh, so you all throw a good party out in uh, California. Uh, I think the big thing out of that event is it was it was hobbyists and the commercial side. Um, I, I heard you all talking before a lot about the defense companies, and I don't think there was a single defense company there. Uh, no. And then after that event, um, there was also the mega startup weekend where they're looking at robotic startups, and there wasn't any defense talk there too. Uh, so very healthy in that side. So it was a very good event. Well, that's one thing about Silicon Valley, or California, I should say, Northern California. A lot of people are, have, like, a negative opinion of of the DOD. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, I will say, you know, there are some vendors there that will not do any military work, which is okay. You know, everybody uh, to each their own. I'm okay with that. I was impressed with, uh, you know, that whole thing. We, I think we did a show on it, but it was, it was very interesting. And I think you were there. We were talking to the guys that came up with the robot that makes drinks. Were you there for that? Uh, oh, yeah, I remember those guys. They came by. Have you seen the videos? You know, I haven't watched the videos, but, uh, you know, I uh, I am intrigued by their product. And someday I'd like to have them on because I think that's, you know, something that's totally useful. We put them together making the martinis with the MIT kids with the, you know, doing the uh, James Bond theme with the quadcopters. And I think we really have something. <laughs> I'm shaking, not stirred, sir. Um, yeah. So that was, a, that was a good thing, but that was the first time we met. And then you were at uh, Unmanned Systems North America. Any, any reflections on the show, sir? Oh, it was a great show. Uh, always a good show. Um, I don't know if we had record attendees or not, but a lot of cool new products, a lot of people there, a lot of good uh, good excitement. Uh, FAA um, administrator, he was a great speaker. Um, it was very different being in this perspective, uh, being on staff, because I've always been a DOD employee going to this. And uh, it's a hard event to put on, I will say that. Uh, we put on a good show, and it is not easy, uh, but the staff makes it look easy. They do. I would agree with that. It's a, it's big. I know that uh, you know. I uh, I came home from that thing exhausted. I just talked to a boatload of people, and to be honest, you know, anyone who's listening that was expecting me to follow up, I haven't even had time to uh, follow up on uh, any of the 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 people that I met. It's just been a nut house around here. But it was a great show. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in the. Um, in, in this technology and the robotics technology, a lot of people there from the press, people making movies, all kinds of action in that department. Um, I thought it was good. And again, you are correct. The, uh, the AEBSI staff put on a good show. I know there was a lot of work went into that. And I know I'm sure you guys came home from that deal just uh, totally exhausted. And uh, my hat's off to yeah. you. You know, the other thing that was kind of funny is when they were setting up and the uh, the guys that were and working at the hotel and helping set up the, uh, the 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 venue, you know, I remember a lot of them were just like, "Wow, look at that! Does this fly? Does this really work?" A lot of them were like looking at models and whatever else, and that you know, now that's a model. But well, what about this? Yeah, that actually flies. That was really wow. You know, they were just blown away. So it was kind of cool to get some some layperson uh, insight into that too. And I don't want to spend too much time on it. We could probably talk about the show for the whole remaining time, but. 
I want to get into, uh, you know, a little bit about the website. I know you guys are trying to, let's say, build out the website. And I want to talk about, obviously, we had you on for this reason. I want to talk about the knowledge tab at AVSI.org. So can you can you tell me a little about that? You know, what, maybe what the philosophy is behind it, you know, that section, education, business, general information. Well, it, it? it came out of um... – um, it's the big one was there was a Bloomberg article about crash rates for UAS versus manned aircraft, and mm-hmm. we get a lot of media calls asking, you know, they said this, what is your response to that? And so most of my work has been internal for a variety of tasks, but that's been one of them. Uh, and I was looking for a different venue to, you know, lay out my response and me actually looking at the data to to come to a, a what I think is a better conclusion. Uh, so I created the tab because I really didn't have a good place to put that. Uh, so that's how it started. And from there, it's just evolved of questions I've had over time or people have brought in over time. If it's a good question, a lot of people have had it, then I try to, you know, put a blog about it uh, so people can search about it over time. Uh, So I'm trying to use that as a way to engage the community, get them some good information or to make better decisions uh, on their business. Mm. So it's it's another benefit to membership, I guess, uh, also. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's not available to just members. Everybody can access it, so I'm not sure oh, it's really? a okay. direct uh, member benefit. Um, but if you're a member, uh, you can always call me uh, and ask me questions. I'm I'm here for the members. So. Well, that's good. I mean, I was just trying to figure that out. So that is for everyone. But you know, the, the I think it's a good thing too. And as we uh, delve into the subject a little bit more, because I do hear, you know, a lot of the membership are, uh, you know, what what what's ABSI doing for us, you know, and like, well, you know, we had Gretchen on and we kind of talked about, you know, some of the directions that AVSI is going and and things like that. And and I think that this knowledge thing, there's there is a uh, like say a big vacuum for um, let's say information on robotics and unmanned technologies. And I'm I'm glad to see that you guys are moving in this direction because I think you know that there are a lot of people out there, and I noticed this too at the Silicon. Uh, Valley Robotics Block Party that, you know, uh, venture capital people came in from around the world and they were there to check that show out, which is, I think, pretty impressive. Um, But one of the things was, you know, I talked to some people, hey, you know, what about unmanned technologies? Oh, we'd love to be in unmanned technologies. We just, we don't really know enough about it to know if we're going to, you know, be successful or not. And I think that this kind of plays right into that. Did Did you see any of that? I, I agree, and and again, that's why I came on is to really push the community into those uh, these new markets uh, and provide the information that I, and it's really compelling information. I know we're going to talk about the one report. Um, we've got a couple other things coming down that really puts a compelling case of, hey, there's you know people should be investing in this because there's a lot of potential money into it. Uh, I know you've talked a lot about using you know UAVs domestically, and and you had the company doing the work, you're making money. Um, but you are you are one person. Uh, so one thing we're doing is taking a big snapshot of it, once we open the airspace again, um, what's the market going to look like? You know, what are the jobs? How much money are we talking about in these different applications? Uh, so you're probably going to want me have me or somebody smarter on in December because uh, we'll have that uh, we'll have that coming around out in about the Thanksgiving time frame. Uh, well, no, so that's uh, going to be some big ammo for us. We would like to, you know, a lot of the guests that we have on there, we wanted to come back because this is an evolving thing. 
And, you know, I'm going to draw Gene in on this one. And, you know, I may be totally off space, but the feedback I get, I mean, I talk to people all week, almost every day. Oh, you know, I started a company. I got a product. Yada, yada, yada. I'm doing this. Now I want to start flying. And it's almost getting to the point where I think that the technology part, and I don't want to just uh, dwell on the unmanned aircraft systems, but that's, I feel most of the calls because of the regulation part of it. It almost seems to me like building the system is the easy part in the business equation. What do you think, Gene? Yeah, well, you know, uh, the platform is, uh, I noticed an article yesterday that it looks like California is, is probably going to uh, embrace the uh, self-guided automobile here pretty soon. Uh, and if you'll remember, we had a, a pretty good podcast, you know, a few back on the un unmanned vehicle as far as uh, automobiles are concerned. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's just a tremendous amount of paperwork to overcome to to get it out legally and to make sure all the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Um, I think that we'll probably see that on the ground, and I'm, I'm sure, Chris, you'll probably uh, agree now that you've had your underwater experience that uh, we can capably – navigate a car it's just some of the other minor details that are going to have to be resolved before they actually get out into the wild i i don't disagree uh we we've one area we're pushing is in driverless cars because uh, we see that as a thing greatly affecting humanity over the next 10 to 20 years uh i've in the market to buy uh two new cars probably in the next two years and i'm thinking maybe probably the last two cars i'll buy that i may drive uh which is kind of cool and i'm pretty excited about that well and that's that's all very exciting technology. I, I mean, it, just to, to come back, though, to, I mean, you know, we, we keep beating this drum about people getting educated before they get into this business. And, I mean, you know, sometimes uh, when I'm talking to people, I get a little frustrated. i, I got to be honest because they're like, okay, well, you know, we, we've got this product. It works. It does all this. It can do all that. And, I mean, I hear all these uses and, you know, and I know what they are. I mean, I've I've heard so many uses. It's, you know, I'm almost sick and how, how, how we're sitting on our hands. Um, but the thing that really starts frustrating me at the end is everybody says, well, I spent all my money on development, and here I am, and now I'm ready to sell my product, and then I find out that I can't sell my product. Or, even where I got another email from a woman this week that bought a very expensive system, over six figures. They used it for about a month and a half, and then got a letter from the FAA telling them it was illegal to use it. You know, as far as I'm concerned... If the manufacturer didn't tell those people about the, um, you know, the, the legal ramifications and sold them something for six figures, you know, uh, to me that's 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 weapons grade BS right there, man. And I think that they should uh, give them their money back. And if they don't, I think the community we need to we need to police ourselves and say people like that, manufacturers like that, have got to go. I don't think that that was. Uh, fair to do to somebody but the, the the end point with that is is you know again please get educated before you get into this field and i'm you know and i think that kind of segues right back into the subject today um you know let's talk about the that paper that's up there now i want to talk about the home health care uh, background and market opportunities for robotics there's some staggering statistics and numbers contained therein and and while you were doing that, Chris, what what was the big takeaway for me for you? What what did you learn putting that paper together? The biggest thing for for me on my side is it's not going to be rosy from the Jeffersons. 
that's the expectation everybody's had since the 70s about uh, about robotics uh, in the home. And we haven't gotten there. Yet we've got all these robotics, but we've never seen Rosie, so everybody uh, you know, wonders where we are. There's a lot of potential in just something simple as a Roomba uh, in, in helping out a lot within the home. Uh, so we're going to see stuff, and if you look at the paper, there's talking about how you can, you know, eat better, um, walk, you know, little things. Someone, I mean, it's amusing in the end, but a toilet seat that moves up and down to lift a person up and to sit them down so that someone doesn't need somebody to help them go to the bathroom. I mean, it's in the end, technology-wise, that's so ridiculously simple, but if you need that help, you know, you'd be pretty happy to have that toilet. Uh, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, too, is, uh, you know, I, I looked it over and there were some pictures. They had a, uh, a feeding assist, uh, like arm or robot that would help feed somebody. And then, uh, you know, we've talked about regulation. And I don't think that, you know, we, we've got the driverless car thing and there's going to be some regulation. But did you look at, um, like, say, any FDA regulation or who who's going to regulate these these medical robots? Or even the the assisted toilet, you know. I can see an ASTM committee, um, you know, F something. I don't know what, but you know, we're we're gonna have to come up with standards for that the the, the self lifting toilet and the uh, the assisting spoon fed thing. You know, what do you think? I think that'd be a pretty uh, amusing uh, standards committee to be on about how high do you lift the toilet uh, and to walk through that whole setup. Uh, when I was uh, government, I, I was at an FDA meeting, and they had a bunch of people in there, um, not just uh, government people. Uh, but the FAA or F, F, FDA's um, perspective is if you are marked, and this is what it took me half a day to realize this. Um, once I realized it, it, it all makes sense. If you market your commercial device as a, um, as a healthcare product, then it falls under the FDA, and so they may need to regulate it on some level. And they've, and this was four years ago, so they've got people looking into this, and there's products out there now. Um, if you don't market it as such, um, then they don't regulate it. The example they used was uh, Segways. Uh, there was a group called Segs for Vets that wanted to buy Segways for veterans, and they wanted to use um, some sort of either military health care or other health care uh, to help pay for it. Uh, and the FDA, or in the healthcare side, they wouldn't pay for it because they said the FDA doesn't regulate it. And the FDA says, we're not going to regulate it because Segway doesn't market themselves as a healthcare company. Well, you know, here's, you know, again, I say this all the time. It's like, look, you're getting the gold right here on the SUAS News podcast because you, you, you know, you're just giving somebody, uh, you know, now I'm thinking about this, this uh, spoon feed assist thing, and I'm thinking, well, if I was developing that, it would uh, it would just be like, you know, the silver spoon feeding assister would be anything, any reference to any medical stuff in there at all. And I think I could probably get that to market probably 10 years earlier than if I was calling it some kind of medical device. Agree, disagree? Well, and, and, and there's the how do they pay for it, uh, and, and it's all about money in the end. It, when I moved to D.C., my father told me something brilliant, and if I'll leave you with one smart thing and the rest of the things I say I can't guarantee. Um, but he said, uh, is he knew I was going to the Pentagon. He said, don't forget this, is no matter what they're talking about, they're not telling you everything, and no matter what they're talking about, they're, not, they're talking about money. Um, so no matter what, it's all about money in the end. Uh, well, we could maybe we could have like the military assisted toilet seat, 
And, you know, we can, <laughs> we can justify the 800 bucks. Although, you know, from my experience with the military thing, it's like so compartmentalized, you know, and uh, I mean, oh, my God, that's a story for another day. But, you know, that sounds like some, um, you know, good insight from the old man. It's kind of funny, you know, it took me a while, too, when I was around 18, you know, the old man would tell you stuff, and you're like, ah, he doesn't know anything. And then about a month later, I was like, hmm, you know, maybe he does know something. It sounds like yeah, you kind of have the same type of dad, Chris. Uh, uh, good stuff, good stuff. So the home health paper, uh, back to money. The big thing I, I, I focused on when we were doing this research was um, focus on money, you know, the background business case. We've got the big numbers is, you know, uh, uh, Home caregiver loses almost seven hundred thousand dollars over a lifetime. Uh, so there's big numbers. You know, seven hundred thousand. If you can build a robot for you know a tenth that cost, which is you know highly probable, you can make a big difference. Um, there's some big, big numbers. Uh, and then we walk through the background about what the technologies are. Um, so it's that high level background. But in the end, it's all about money. Uh, so you could hire a person to do all this stuff, but if you can do it with a robot for cheaper or better. Um, we can make a difference. Well, and then there's some other things. I mean, I don't know if you've had any experience with anyone in uh, hospice, and not to go Debbie Downer here, but there are a lot of, uh, you know, you you kind of bring a person in that's that's a stranger. Uh, there's there's dignity issues for people. Um, you know, there's embarrassment. There's there's bringing in a new person. Uh, there's there's some different let's say, nuances with that. And, and in some cases, some of these devices that we're talking about, some of the concepts that we're talking about, I think uh, give people a better, let's say, psychological uh, quality of life. Uh, and I'm not only saying hospice. I mean, there's a lot of things as you get older. I mean, I know even myself, I'm like, oof, this isn't going to be pretty. So it would be nice to to have help. Uh, in certain areas, uh, would you did you uh, notice any of that in in this report, or was it more focused on the opportunities? And I mean, I, I think you laid out a nice case uh, for people to say, "Man, we got to invest in this." But, but did you any find any of those things I was talking about? I think some people are doing some research uh, about right that hospice side and to have a robot holding your hand at the end. Um, there's some research stuff you can search on that. Uh, but I think that it's a serious question about when when we die, um, you know, somebody's going to live in at least another 20, 30 years. A robot may be the last thing sitting next to you, you know, as as you kick the bucket. Um, and is there, and you know, what's the quality of life, you know, during that whole time frame? Uh, there's a great movie out called Robot and Frank. I don't know if you all have been able to see it. Didn't uh, see it. But it's a it's a it's a uh, home healthcare robot. I I highly recommend it. Um, I was, I, I thought it was a riot, and, and it came out like right after we did this report. Uh, so I've been telling everybody on staff to go see it to, you know, get a, get another perspective. Uh, highly recommend it. I won't give away the plot, but basically, a, a, an elderly man gets a home robot to help take care of him. Uh, and at one point, it's so funny where the guy wants to do something, and he asks the robot, and he's, you know, robot, are are you in? And the robot goes, as long as you promise to eat a uh, a low salt diet after this. You know, the robot doesn't care, you know, the legality of things he does, just wants him to eat a low-salt diet. Uh, so there's a a lot of Asimov stuff in there that's well worth watching. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'll have to check that out um, for sure. But 
The other thing with that is I definitely, like, you know, I want to get back to that. I definitely think that you laid out a case that uh, for people to get in to robotics. Um, we have seen some uh, news stories where companies, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. There was an Indian company, I believe, they're pharmaceutical, and they got into, uh, they invested heavy into an unmanned aircraft systems company, which seems a little bit of a stretch, you know, uh, and that, it, you know, maybe they should have invested more in some sort of uh, robotics thing, you know, but again, maybe people don't know. I don't think people really know. Even the thing I just spoke at in Texas, I was talking about the medical robots and prosthetics and, and, you know, go to the doctor and they got this Da Vinci system where the guy's in there, the guy, <clears throat> the physician is in there holding actuators and he's flying the robot actuators in your body you know it's four incisions that are eight millimeters long and he flies in there he's doing the work he's, they say they have more range of motion everything else but a boom but a bing you're in you're out you know uh, less time in the hospital less chance for infection uh cheaper better faster six million dollar man man i you know I, I think that that's the not too distant future would you agree with that Oh, absolutely. And it's it's not just going to happen in, in one or two spots. It's going to happen in a lot of places. Uh, and that's why we're doing these reports, is to really get a high-level overview, um, put it at a price point that people can buy. The idea is, you know, your boss walks in and says, you know, we need to get into healthcare robotics. Well, you can sit on the Internet for the next four weeks, or you can spend 100 bucks if you're a member on this report and get up to speed in three hours. Uh, and we've got a couple of those coming down the line and very uh, very similar setup. Hmm. So, well, now the report is what's on the website. Is that the full report, or is that um, is, is there more? Or I just heard you talk about charting. Is that the is that does the report cost money, or is it the membership that you're talking about? Uh, the report costs money. Um, oh, okay. I, well, I sent it to you because we were doing this interview. So that PDF I sent you, that's the full report. Um, uh, I put that but, out on the internet. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Um, well, you know, even still, okay, hundred bucks. You know, um, you know, there'll be some people, and believe me, and, and Gene can attest to this, that don't want to spend a nickel on anything. But, <laughs> but you know, it just it goes right back to what I was saying earlier about people getting educated before they start out. I think you're right. You know, hundred bucks is not really uh, any amount of money when you're talking about getting into a field that's worth hundreds of billions of dollars. And like you said, you can you can set some guy loose on the internet for four hours, six hours, three days, four days, or you can come here and get it in one uh, concise report. So I don't think it's a bad value. How did you come up with a price point, though? Let's just let me just ask you that. Oh, I'm an electrical engineer, um, so okay. asking me about price points is a is a little tough on that side. I, I got input from other staff on that price point. I really wanted to keep it low. Um, there's a lot of market reports out there on a lot of things, um, defense especially. Um, I'm sure you've paid for some or at least have seen a lot of them. Uh, and those range in the, the, the 2000 to 7000 price range. Um, mm -hmm. and that's pretty painful. And so you're talking tens of companies that will really afford something like that. And I wanted, again, something at a much lower price point um, a high-level overview. I don't do a heavy economic analysis that you get out of those big reports, mm. uh, but it, again, it's it's good information, as you say, um, and will really step someone forward rather than having to spend a lot of time uh, on their own. Well, and I, yeah, I do think the price points good. And it's funny you say that. You know, those reports. I've been looking at those. Uh, you know, uh, where we we may do some um, 
offer some of those here at SUS News for like third party. And I'm really looking at that. And a lot of them, I got to tell you, are just telephone numbers. I'm not really seeing anything. And then, you know, even going back, the new one that I'm using and I used during my presentation in Texas was the quote from the FAA administrator's speech there at the show. And he was talking about, you know, how GA is worth $1.3 trillion to the economy and how many jobs there are. And that, that's actually the forecast that I use now. So how much of that $1.3 trillion is going to go to unmanned? You know, when that, like 2015, when the, the congressional mandate and the FAA, all the, all the UAS go into the NAS, you know, how much of that $1.3 trillion that GA has is going to be unmanned? You know, uh, and, and that's where I'm looking at numbers. And I agree with you. A lot of those, they're expensive. You don't know what you're really getting or what you're looking at. And I think that your price point for these papers, um, if you keep them there, more to the masses. And uh, so, you know, I guess that, that kind of, um, you know, we'll go into the next question. And, you know, I saw the vault thing, and I wanted to talk about what you thought the, the concept with the vault is. I don't know if we covered that. Did we cover that? Uh, no, we haven't hit the vault yet. Uh, so the vault is a... Uh, a single point, any conference for AVSI that you've ever been to, you should be able to pull up the proceedings. I think back to 09 or 08. Um, so all the papers and whatnot that you never get to read um, because it's after the conference, you have to download them. This allows you to search them in one spot. Uh, if you haven't gone to the conference, uh, you can you know, buy the papers or you can buy the whole conference proceedings on that side. Um, the big thing we're trying to tie into that, and I don't think we talked about this at the conference, is we've got a vehicle database coming down the line. Um, we've got about 4,000 vehicles and 1,000 companies of pretty much every robot ever built. Uh, robot unmanned system, I use them interchangeably, uh, the terminology. So air, ground, maritime, about 2,400 air platforms, 700 companies on that side. Uh, so we're trying to get that information out. That will be, uh, we're launching the details, or we're starting to sell that probably first quarter 2013. Uh, we'll get ground and maritime going, and then the air side will get out there by North America. Uh, and that we have to get a higher price point just because there's always new robots coming down the line, and we want that to be the single up-to-date source for everyone on every robot that's out there. So we're trying to price that so that we can keep somebody funded to keep it updated. Because a lot of people have you know these lists out there, but it's 50 robots, and then they get bored, uh, and they never update it, so it's three years out of date. And there's no Rosie in there. No, no, I, I don't think we have Rosie on the sci-fi side. All our stuff is it's at least developmental. Uh, but we keep in things like uh, like Dart and the old school 60s stuff. Uh, we do keep that in there, too. Well, do you want to give the website address, please? Uh, so that's uh, vault.aevsi.org. Uh, you can check that out. And, again, the knowledge tab is just aevsi.org. And one of the high tabs on the right side is uh, is knowledge. Um, and of course, if anybody, if you have questions for me, I'm Chris Maley, and email is cmaley, M-A-I-L-E-Y, at org. Okay, well, or you can um, uh, you can email me again here, Patrick, at SUAS News, and I can forward it at SUSnews.com, and I can forward it on to Chris. Uh, all right, well, we, we're, we've got about a minute left, but I just want to, you know, uh, how when when do you think uh, some new stuff's going to start hitting the site? When should people get over there now, and then how often should they be checking back? Uh, well, check out now. Um, 
I'd like to get stuff up there weekly, but that's just not happening right now. Uh, but the big stuff, and you'll be, get much better numbers about what the uh, upcoming market for uh, UAS and national airspace is, that's uh, November, December time frame. That's going to be big. Um, we'll be giving that report out. The goal is to give Congress and decision makers, you know, good numbers uh, about what this market is going to be. And uh, so n- November, December, you better uh, keep your eyes open. It's going to be exciting times. The right. market's going to be big. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's going to be big, um, eclipsing the defense market. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. I, I think it'll be gigantic. And then, you know, we'll probably have you come back on in the future, and we'll we'll talk about this more as the uh, as the site kind of develops and the information gets out there. But I want to thank you for coming on today, Chris. Always uh, good talking to you both. All uh, right, right on. It was very informative. Gene, have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Okay, everyone take care. See you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay.